Once upon a time, in an age of forests and firelights, our ancestors were wise to the spectrum of human identity. Among the fairy tales and myths they told were stories of glass coffins and marble statues, eunuchs and androgynes, chaste marriages and bodily transformations, symbolic stories that hint at other identities, tales of asexuality. This is the Asexual Fairy Tales Podcast, and I'm your storyteller, Elizabeth Hopkinson. Each month I'll be reading you another story from my books of asexual fairy tales. Some of these are old tales of myth and legend, in which I first found representation for my asexual identity. Others are original stories by me, based on traditional motifs. It's a personal selection. I hope you find something in it that speaks to you too. So sit back if you are able, relax and enjoy another asexual fairy tale. Hello and welcome back to more asexual fairy tales. Thanks for listening. As I record today I've got the exciting news that the third book in the series More Asexual Fairy Tales is coming out on the 21st of October 2022. It will be available online and in selected bookshops in the UK, so keep an eye on my website elizabethhopkinson.uk for more details. This month's story is Dalandine and Troilus, one of the earliest known versions of Sleeping Beauty. It comes from the medieval French romance Purse Forest and it also has echoes of Rapunzel since a maiden is kept in a tower that can only be accessed by a high window. This story is not, as some people seem to think, a story about a woman being taken advantage of in her sleep, but rather about the anxiety and the struggle for some asexuals of reconciling a desire for parenthood with a lack of desire or even repulsion for the physical act. Another thing that I like about Zelandine and Troilus is that while Zelandine's father views her condition as an illness, we are told it was ordained by the gods at her birth. For anyone who has suffered so-called cures for asexuality, it is good to be reminded that this is not an illness. We were just born this way. My retelling is based on an English translation by Susan McNeil Cox. The fates never stop spinning. Three goddesses, one to draw out the thread of life, one to twist it, one to cut it off. People said Zelandine's long sleep was an illness, but it was her destiny. Spun at her birth by three goddesses, Lucina, Venus and Themis, who preside over life, love and destiny. They were present at her naming day, present on the island of Zeland where the temple of the three goddesses stood. And though she did not see them, they were present when her life took its unique twist of fate. It began with her betrothal to the knight Troilus, Troilus the noble, Troilus whom she saw in her dreams, Troilus whose sweet-scented baby she could almost feel in her arms. There was nothing she wanted more than to wed Troilus, and yet, and yet. Troilus was away in his own country of Scotland when he first heard of Zelandine's illness. A ship arrived, having been blown off course. 
the knights of old were hoping to make land in the realm of Britons, there to seek Zelandin, brother of Zelandine. His sister was gravely ill. Dwellers heart missed a beat. What is the matter with her? I am Zelandine's betrothed husband, and have been seeking news of her for many moons. It seems she was staying with some maidens, the knights said, when she fell into a deep sleep. Since that time she's not awoken. She neither eats nor drinks, except that which can be forced into her. And what do her doctors say? Troilus asked. The doctors have neither explanation nor cure. That is why we are seeking Zelandin, the knight said. Then seek no more, I pray you, said Troilus. Do not wait for Zelandin, but take me with you to Zeland. My father was a doctor, and it may be that I can bring healing to my beloved Zelandin. They set sail and soon arrived on the island. A high wind forced him to take refuge in a local manor house, where the lady of the manor told him more of Zelandine's strange illness. She had gone to Britain to attend a party in honour of King Perseforest. After the feast she stayed on with her cousins and other young ladies. It so happened that she took a flax distaff from the hand of her cousin and began to spin. But as she did so, she fell into a swoon from which she never awoke. From that time to this, she has slept without eating or drinking, but losing neither colour nor weight. It is said the goddess Venus takes care of her. When Troilus heard this, he was even more determined to find the place where Zelandine lay. Unfortunately, the lady of the manor had a son who was also in love with Princess Zelandine. She drugged Troilus. So the next morning he woke up days, not knowing who he was or what he was doing. In this confused state he wandered across the island until, as fate would have it, he arrived at the palace of Zeland, home of Zelandine's father. And when people saw his unkempt beard and staring eyes, they called him a madman and a fool. But King Zeland's actual fool cried out, This is no madman, this is the man who will cure Zelandine. So the king took Troilus with him to the temple of the three goddesses, where he daily prayed to Venus for his daughter's recovery. There, in front of Venus' statue, Troilus fell asleep. In his dreams he saw Zelandine wandering lost and confused, as he had done. Their eyes met, and it seemed to him that she was begging for help. Suddenly Troilus awoke. The goddess Venus herself was anointing his eyes. For a moment he saw her beautiful and terrible. Then the temple guard was leaning over him, shaking him to wakefulness. I remember it all now, Troilus said. I came here to cure Princess Zelandine. Ah, that's a sad case, said the guard, although I think it was fated to happen. I remember how the baby princess was brought to this temple eight days after her birth. Food and drink were laid out for the three goddesses, to invite them to come and spin the child's fate. Each place setting had a golden plate, goblet and knife, but the knife of Themis had fallen to the floor. When the three heavenly queens descended, Nugina, goddess of childbirth, blessed the newborn with good health. But Themis, alloyed by the loss of her knife, destined that when Zelandine was old enough to be betrothed, a splinter would pierce her finger while she was spinning flax, and this would cause an endless sleep. Venus, goddess of love, replied that she would find a cure to this fate, and that is the true cause of Zelandine's illness. I 
thank you for your help, good man, said Troilus, but can you tell me where the princess lies sleeping? Certainly, sir, said the man, she lies in a place called Jumel Castle, at the top of a tall tower. There her father has placed her in the care of the gods. Troilus set off across the island to seek Jumel Castle. He didn't know which way to take, as the country was wild and barren. On his second day of riding, he saw a shrine to Venus, and knelt down to pray. He prayed long and hard that he would be able to find Zelandine and cure her. As the sun set, he thought he heard a female voice speaking to him. Noble knight, do not lose heart. If you are steadfast, you will find your way into the tower, where your love lies sleeping. When you get there, you must go through the opening to find the fruit that provides the remedy. Troilus thanked Lady Venus for her help. The next day he rode out once more. Against the sparse horizon, the castle soon stood out. When he got close, he saw there were two tall towers, one at each end of the castle. He didn't know which one housed his beloved Zelandine, but he rode until he came close to one of the towers. To his dismay, he saw it was surrounded by a moat with a drawbridge. The bridge was drawn up and there was no other way across. The tower was extraordinarily high, and every single door and window had been bricked up except for one, right at the top of the tower, on the eastern side. A messenger came out of the main gate of the castle. Tell me, is this the tower where Princess Zelandine sleeps? Troilus asked him. It is indeed, sir. But how might one enter, Troilus said, is there no other way in or out apart from that window? There is not, said the man. All other entrances are walled up except this window, which is the entrance for the gods. Troilus' heart sank. A window for the gods? How could a mortal man go through? And yet Venus had promised him that he was the one to achieve this quest. He led his horse away from the castle, tied it to a tree stump and sat down to think. There must be a way in. He could cross the moat, but what then? He almost felt like giving up, but then he thought about Zelandine, his adored Zelandine. He was nothing in this world without her. He had loved her ever since she'd sent him a wondrous gift, a crown of nine golden letters. He would not leave her trapped in the tower. He went back to the tower and, without further thought, jumped into the moat. The chill almost took his breath, but he swam up through reeds and duckweed until he came to the other side. He scrambled to his feet and began walking round and round the tower. Its sides were as smooth as if they'd been polished. In vain he looked for the slightest chink in which he could gain a foothold. What am I to do? he thought. At that moment he heard a sound behind him like a whirlwind, and when he looked behind he saw a handsome youth standing on the other side of the moat. With a smile on his face and not the slightest flinch, the youth walked across the moat as if it were a stone bridge.
steps inside the tower. You will follow the advice of the goddess Venus. At midnight, go to the window, and I will bring you safely back to Earth. Troilus readily agreed to the youth's terms. He climbed upon the youth's back. To his astonishment, the youth was instantly transformed to an enormous bird, with feathers of gold and burning red. It flew to the top of the tower and let Troilus in through the window, before flying away again. Troilus looked about the room. A lamp was softly burning, hanging by a silver chain. It illuminated a four-poster bed, piled high with snowy white pillows. The curtains were pure white with threads of silver. In the bed, sleeping beneath silver-white coverlets, was Zelandy. Her cheeks had a delicate blush, her chest gently rose and fell. She looked more like a maiden taking a refreshing nap than someone suffering a grave illness. Troilus couldn't help but feel his blood warm at the sight of her. He'd not seen her in many months and she was even more desirable than he remembered. Finally alone together, you cannot speak to me or respond in any way. Forgive me, my love, but it angers and upsets me to be thus cheated of all we might have enjoyed. Still, Zelandine swept on. Are you in there, my love? Troilus wept. In my dream, you seem to look on me with love and beg my help. Will you feel it if I kiss you? He bent his head over hers and placed a tender kiss on her forehead. Then, Suddenly emboldened, he kissed her eyelids, her cheeks, her lips, her throat. More than twenty times he kissed her, and yet she did not stir. Troilus tears sparkled on her cheeks like diamonds, and trickled in crystal rivers towards her pillows. Venus, what must I do? he cried. You promised me I would enter this tower, and I have. But what good is that when my love lies insensible? You said that love would lead me to the opening lies the fruit that will cure this maiden, but I, I don't know how to find it. I don't know where that plant grows. Venus, don't leave me like this. The curtains of the bed softly stirred, and a voice whispered in Troilus' ear, Are you really such a fool as those that Zealand believed you to be? Follow your desire. The lady dreams of becoming a wife and mother. Give her the gift she longs for. Troilus flushed red. In her sleep, he said aghast, without her permission. She gives her permission, trust me, said Venus. Now do as you are bidden. In truth, Troilus would have been hard-pressed to resist, for the flames of desire had arisen in him. He took up his clothes and got under the covers, where Zelandine lay completely unclothed, white and tender. Troilus was overcome with love and happiness. If only Zelandine could have spoken or responded in some way, his joy would have been even greater. 
last he planted his seed in her. At that she gave a heavy sigh and Troilus felt she knew what they had done. He lay back on the bed and drifted in and out of sleep until he heard a whir of wings at the window. Hurry and get dressed, came the voice of the handsome youth. It is time to leave. Already? Troilus was forlorn. As he struggled into his clothes he looked at the bed expecting to see Zelandine wake but she did not stir. stood by the bed one last time and took Zelandine's hand. She was wearing the ring he had given for their betrothal. Quickly, he slipped the ring from her finger and exchanged it for his own betrothal ring, placing Zelandine's ring on his finger. My dear and perfect friend, he whispered, I'm leaving now because I must, but I will return to you. Then he climbed on the back of the bird youth and they flew away into the night. Zelandine's father, the king, was looking out of his window and noticed that the light from the tower was unusually bright. Unbeknown to Troilus, he had his own way of visiting his daughter by means of an underground passage that led to the tower's ground floor. This was the way he now took. When he'd climbed the stairs to the top floor, he tried the door of Zelandine's room, only to find it locked. Can it be that the gods have visited her? he asked himself. He went to wake his sister, a woman whose opinion he'd always trusted, and together they returned to the tower. Peering through a crack in the wall around the door, they were amazed at what they saw. A knight, in full armour, stood by the window with his back to them. On the windowsill sat an enormous bird with feathers of gold and burning red. The knight climbed on the bird's back, and together they flew away. It must have been Mars, the god of war, who has visited my daughter, said the king, and his sister agreed. The king unlocked the door and they crept into the room. There lay Zelandine in the bed, a candle burning low at her bedside. The king thought she looked more flushed than usual, although her expression was peaceful. Do you think Mars could have given her some medicine? the king asked his sister. If that is the case, she will soon be cured, the sister answered, but... I will watch over her in the meantime, and visit her every day by means of the passage you have shown me." The king's sister did as she would promised. Every day she visited Zelandine in the tower. She washed Zelandine's face, plumped up her pillows, and fed her a tiny sip of goat's milk from a bowl, the only food she could get the girl to take. For although she had told her brother she agreed with his observations, as a woman she had her own ideas about what Mars was doing with her niece. Her suspicions were confirmed as the months went by and Zelandine's belly began to swell. In all, nine months passed, until one night Zelandine was delivered of a handsome baby. Her aunt assisted in the delivery, cut the cord and took away the afterbirth. And through all this, Zelandine slumbered still. Won't you wake, my sweet girl? The aunt pleaded. You have a beautiful baby boy. Won't you open your eyes and see him? She wrapped the baby in swaddling and placed him next to his mother. Straight away the baby began suckling with his mouth, looking for his mother's milk. Instead, he found his mother's little finger, which nevertheless he sucked eagerly. A moment later he began coughing. Oh dear, what's the matter? Has baby got wind? said the aunt. She picked him up and patted him on the back, 
At that, he coughed out the splinter that had been lodged in his mother's finger. The next moment, Zelandine gave a murmur and opened her eyes. The ant cried for joy. My dear child, you're awake. Praise be to Mars and to Venus, who always swore to restore you. Zelandine rubbed her eyes. What dreams I have had. I dreamt the moon came in at my window, and I became pregnant and gave birth to Troilus child. The ant smiled through her tears and placed the baby in Zelandine's arms. You do have a child, my love, see? But no mortal man such as Troilus could be the father. That is impossible. The father of your child is Mars, who came in at the window of the gods. At this, Zelandine began to wail. No, no, it was Troilus. It had to be Troilus. How could a god come in and take what I have vowed to give to Troilus and no one else? How dare he come at me thus while I slept? He has violated me. She looked at the child with horror. I don't want him. Take him away. Take him away. She became so hysterical that her aunt feared she would do herself and the child an injury. As she was racking her brains for what to do, a great bird with the face of a handsome youth appeared at the window. Its feathers were of gold and burning red. Do not fear, good woman, said the bird youth. I will take care of the child for now. He will be nourished by goddesses in the immortal realm, and when the time is right, I will bring him back. Comforted by the sight of the divine being, she placed the baby between the bird's wings, and it flew away until it was nothing more than a burning speck on the horizon. When King Zeland heard that his daughter had awoken from her illness, he was overjoyed. He gave an extravagant party that lasted a whole week, at which numerous libations were poured out to the gods, particularly Mars and Venus. But Zelandine remained pale and sad. She stayed in the tower room, tended by her aunt, and though she grew stronger in her body, her spirits sank lower. One day, towards the end of April, when birds were nesting, and the hawthorn beginning to blossom, Zelandine was sitting in her tower window, looking out over the gardens. She thought of Troilus, and the time they'd walked together in the maze, picking flowers and laughing. Suddenly, she noticed the ring on her finger. This was the ring she'd given Troilus at their betrothal. The one she normally wore, the ring he had given her, was gone. There was only one person who could have made the switch. It was Troilus, Aunt, she said, holding up her hand and showing her the ring. Troilus came to me that night. The gods must have assisted him, but it was he. We must send word to him to come as soon as possible. Oh, where is our son? How could I have sent him away? The aunt shook her head doubtfully. <laughs> Who knows where Troilus is now? It is best you put this incident behind you and let your father find you a new husband. No one will know you had a baby. It doesn't even show any more. And you're a young girl with your whole life ahead of you. Why shouldn't you marry? The very idea of this filled Zelandine with horror. No, aunt. I will pray to Venus that Troilus might be found and come back to me. It was true that Troilus had gone far away. The magical bird youth had flown him all the way to his home in Scotland, so he would not be late for his sister's wedding. After the festivities had died down, his first thought was to return to Zelandine. But the way was long, and he no longer had the magic bird with him. 
nor were the men to accompany him. So he must make the long journey on foot, on horseback, by water, encountering all the perils of weather and wild beasts and enemy warriors. At last he reached the island of Zeland, but, oh horror, the king had decided he would wed Zelandine to another knight, called Neroin, and was holding a tournament in his honour. Without a thought, Troilus entered the lists, though he kept his identity a secret, jousting with a blank shield. Love and jealousy spurred him on. He acquitted himself with as much honour as a knight may desire, especially against his rival suitor. At the banquet after the tournament, Troilus found it hard to eat. He wanted to speak to Zelandine, but King Zeland was sitting across from her, and Neroin was sitting next to her. He took the nearest seat he could, and removed his hood so everyone could see his face. "'Don't I know you?' said the king, scowling. "'Indeed you do,' said Troilus. "'I am Troilus of Royalville in Scotland.' He did not mention his former betrothal to Zelandine, but she glanced at his right hand. There, on his smallest finger, was a gold ring with an emerald at its centre, the very ring he had once given her. In response, she rested her own right hand against her cheek, so that Troilus could see the matching ring on her finger. As soon as the dancing began, the pair slipped behind a pillar and began to talk, their words tumbling over one another. Troilus told Zelandine of his visit to the tower, she of the birth of their son and how the bird youth had borne him away. They told me Mars had sired him on me, she said, but I knew it was you. She wept, and Troilus cupped her cheek in his hand. My lovely friend, I am so sorry that I had to do what I did. It was the only way to wake you. It was the right way, for me, she said. For that is what the fates ordained at my birth. And now we have a son, if only we knew where he was. She sighed, and Troilus held her close. Father has forgotten our betrothal entirely. He means to wed me to Neroin, unless you help me. Then run away with me, to the court of King Perseforest. I know he will protect us, said Troilus. Salentine agreed. She told no one but a maid, who helped her pack her clothes and jewels. Troilus arranged for three horses to be saddled, one for him, one for Zelandine, and one for the maid. They met, as arranged in the stable-yard, and were just tightening the girths when a spark of golden flame appeared in the sky. It grew larger and larger, until standing before them was the magical bird youth, and nestled in the golden feathers on his back was the baby son Zelandine had born to Troilus. Both young parents wept at the sight of their child, and took him in their arms one after the other. No need of horses when I am here, said the bird youth. Climb on my back, and I will take you to King Perseforest's court, all three of you. Zelandine and Troilus, with their baby son in their arms, climbed on the bird's back. Farewell, said Zelandine to the maid. Tell my father and aunt that Mars, the god of war, has come for me, and is taking me away to his own country. With that, the bird flexed his mighty wings, and together they soared into the night sky in a blaze of gold. Thank you for listening to Asexual Fairy Tales. If 
you enjoyed this episode, please consider subscribing to the podcast. If you really enjoyed it and want to buy me a coffee, you can do that at ko-fi.com slash Elizabeth Hopkinson 48513. Don't forget you can follow me on Twitter at hidden underscore grove or go to my website elizabethhopkinson.uk where you'll find links to all my books. All the links are in the episode description. I really appreciate all your support. Stay safe and keep reading.